0: Blog Talk Radio. Super Bowl. But watching the sport we love the most is not enough. We want to play football, too, on separate girls' teams. I know girls want to play because I asked them. Before Title IX, some people thought that girls were not interested in playing sports, but they were wrong. They were just as wrong as people who argued that women did not want The right to follow their dreams. My dream is that high schools and colleges will offer girls football teams
1: So, Sam Gordon at the NFL Honors Game Changer Award for her. Uh, very exciting times. Um, I mean, she has done an amazing job of bringing attention to the sport. And, um, I mean, a very proud, proud uh, moment for everybody in women's football uh, at the NFL level. I'm pretty sure uh, Sam Rappaport and Roger Goodell, a lot to do with that as well. But uh, what an honor to have her on there um, and do her thing. So, uh, welcome to Grand Blitz. Oscar Lopez here. We're gonna have a great show today. A Super Bowl Fifty Two recap. Uh, we're gonna be talking uh, Eagles, Patriots. We're also gonna be talking to the talented uh, Amanda Congelli of the DC Divas, who's, who has taken over for Allison Hamlin in uh, DC and the WFA for 2018. She'll be in here in a couple minutes. Uh, we're gonna in the huddle, and we're gonna be talking that and. We're excited to introduce and debut uh, the legendary former Utah Falcons uh, quarterback, which is Louise Matthews Beans. How you doing, Beans?
2: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. And I don't great. know if I'm legendary, but you know, it sounds fun and good. <laughs>
1: well, it's a it's a bold statement, I think. Uh, so it's it, it sounds just better that way instead of a former quarterback, former legendary quarterback.
0: <laughs> that sounds way better.
1: Um, Troy okay. Wilson and uh, Holly Custis will be joining us here momentarily, uh, and then, uh, like I said, we're going to go into the huddle with um, Amanda Congyaldi. Uh and she's a big uh, Eagles fan, Louise. So, um, I know. big, big That's... Sunday for her. You know what I mean? Uh,
2: yeah, A lot definitely. of,
1: a lot of time coming for this franchise.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, those guys have been waiting a long time. I, I mean. You know, you just think back to even the show that came out, the Invincible movie, you know, about the, the guy that just walked on and played for the, for the Eagles. Yeah, they've been waiting a long time.
1: Now, I mean, I don't know about, uh, you know, doing the Crisco on the polls and stuff like that, but uh, I guess that should have been done earlier on Saturday. It was being done during the, uh, during the conference finals, but uh, we were all joking about that. So, um, But I think that's probably not going to help. Anybody in Philly because they were burning down Everything in Philly and
2: uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I think It was oh, just happy state Oh yeah definitely I saw I saw pictures of policemen that were trying To control the traffic and high Fiving everybody and you know I, I I think we all figured that it was going to come down To the very end and It was uh, you know a good back and forth Game I'm not sure if the defensive coordinators Were really happy about how things went But you know the Eagles Are just glad that they won and uh, They did it in fashion so hats off to them i did not choose them to win based upon uh there was only tw- there was over 25 players on the uh, new england that had played in the super bowl and only six for the eagles so you know but they're very talented and they have a great coaching staff so
0: well
1: i, I think the game did not disappoint i think it was very competitive until the end uh one play doesn't define tom brady but one play does lose it for tom brady so uh, if we want to joke about it, it was that touchdown—the uh, touchdown catch that he didn't do that Foles did. Yeah. So maybe that was the only difference.
2: <laughs> yeah, hard to say. Oh gosh, yeah. Considering that one, I mean the guy threw for over 500 yards. So, but Nick Foles had a great game too, and gosh, you know he had some deep balls that were just pinpointed. So, what can you say? It's going to be interesting in the off-season for him.
1: Well, you know what? The good thing was there was really no questionable calls during this game, like nothing that the refs could have ruined, you know, everything was either on point, everything seemed legit. The catches were there between the, you know, between the goal lines and everything was just legit. And the last play of the game was just, you know, pure pressure. And uh, there was nothing there. It's not like, it's not like Brady fumbled it. It was just, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that the defender got there, tipped the ball over and that that's what it is. Um, So, you know, great game by uh, Doug Peterson he played a very mm-hmm. good game. I mean, unlike mm-hmm. Atlanta last year, he literally went toe-to-toe.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Doug Peter- Peterson and uh, the offensive coordinator Frank Reich; those guys, you know, former quarterbacks, they were way gutsy. Two fourth down calls that they both passed for. Um, you know, multiple formations and multiple shifting. There was one play. They were down on
1: the – still there, Luis? I don't know if she got um I don't know if she got a um, cell phone that happens a lot too when you're uh, going around so no worries uh we'll just um she'll call back and then we'll get her back on there troy should be here momentarily um Holly I don't know if Holly's gonna join us today uh, but at this point um we got Louise she should be chiming back in here and so you know it, it just it was a great game to watch the it was very competitive till the end forty one thirty three uh, at the dome. I mean, it was just an amazing game. Both sides uh, deserving. Philadelphia, obviously, more deserving. Uh, they made the plays that they had to make. They went toe to toe with this huge dynasty that it is the Patriots. Um, you got to give them credit. They mustered it out, they took care of business. Uh, they made one defensive play that was the difference. I think that if they don't make that play, um, they still might have won but it would have been a little difficult uh, in terms of sweating it. You were like anticipating all this stuff because the, the Patriots would have had to score the touchdown point conversion. Then we're looking at, okay, uh, maybe a tie and go to overtime. And so that was going to be the scenario at this point, but I don't know um, what's going to happen there. I think we got Luis back. Um, Luis, I was, yep. I was just mentioning that the last play was really, uh, you know, just I would say luck. Based on pressure, but a lot of effort there. If he makes that throw, either Amendola or Gronk, and if they get in the end zone, we're, we're looking at a two-point conversion uh, with under probably ten minute, uh, ten seconds, and so the game either goes to overtime or the Eagles just, you know, edge it out.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I actually wanted to see them score and then have it come down to a two-point conversion, just like last year. So, you know, that's that's one of the. I mean, what kind of? That's just a great position. I think the two best plays in. In football, are onside kicks and hail Mary, just because it comes down to just those things. Um, you know, I actually thought the refs let them play. I mean, there were some calls they could have called pass interference, but you know, they just didn't. And uh, I think there's only one pass interference call. I think there was a holding call that they that was on the Eagles. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of jostling and things like that, but they let them play. So came down to the end, and and they earned it. So.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the plays that stood out for me was uh, the the very beginning when Jeff when Jeffrey scores um, LeBlanc, um, you know it, it was just it was just initially you got the you got the feeling I got the feeling that they they were ready you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Whoever was in that locker room in Philly already knew that this was going to be sixty minutes. You're not going to beat Belichick and Tom Brady with anything less, and they knew that they had to pay they had to play. Um, the only fumble I think he had was that tip ball that he didn't have control over yep. that turned into a fumble, mm-hmm. but that didn't cost him anything because they didn't, they didn't really mm-hmm. do anything with it. But if they mm-hmm. would have, you know, that was probably the only mistake they made all game.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely came out – they came out with that Philly mentality, but then, you know, everything you know about the, the uh, Boston – or New England, sorry. Um, you know, you're going against tradition. You're going against the system. You're going against just – just excellence in every way and, you know, the, the Patriots way, and, and you're going against that. So you have to come in. Now, now there's been a lot of talk of, of the gutsy calls on offense and things like that, but you don't make gutsy calls like that unless you practice it and unless you believe in it and unless you have the people that can execute it. So they did. And, I mean, the best play in the whole game, I thought, to me, was the it was the play where they threw it to Nick Foles for a touchdown. I don't know. Was that a two-point conversion or the touchdown? I can't remember.
0: They, that was that wasn't it out a
2: touchdown. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they did that at a Wildcat, and I just thought, oh, that's just the greatest play, and he catches it. And the look on the New England, uh, the linebackers, when they turn and look, and they know they haven't covered him out of the backfield, I just thought, oh, that's just the worst feeling. So, I mean, he was waking up. Yeah, talk about your, and,
1: talk about vomiting right there. You're like, oh, crap. I
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. When you see their two like, linebacker That's that started. moment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the moment you're like, crap. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. you know, you got to give credit to him. Uh, Wentz goes down, right? Very emotional yep. time for them, considering yep. the, the late stage of the game. And so mm-hmm. they go, he goes down. And all of a sudden now, you know, um, they, they ride the ship. This is not the, the same as when Kurt Warner, uh, the situation mm-hmm. with Kurt Warner, because he obviously played more games. Yep. But it's Play still that very season. significant yeah. because he did take them deep and he he had to win two crucial games you know what i mean yep. it was like there was just no other option for him so um so let's, still uh, a Luis, nobody let's, and let's nick pre- bold
2: is kind of a nobody so
1: yeah but i think he's proven himself to be durable so that's the one key that i think that you oh, got to take away yeah. from that i think he's durable hey. uh, the scenario will yep. be who they keep now so that's pretty much the wrench but we'll go into it uh in the uh, super bowl recap uh, as soon as we get past the huddle, we'll, we'll go with uh, Troy, yourself, and myself. We'll go through it and okay. kind of dissect it a little bit more in terms of the game. Um, let's mm-hmm. go into the huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle.com, mm-hmm. you can get everything there leggings, t shirts, gifts. Uh, make sure you use the codes daily. You can save up to 15% off. And if you want to take advantage of our shop, free shipping, 10 bucks. 10 bucks, free shipping. You sign up, you pay 10 bucks. For the whole year, 12 months, you get free shipping on anything at Zazzle, including our shop. So it's a great deal. Zazzle Black, go to Zazzle.com and get that deal, and you can pretty much purchase everything and get free shipping. So let's go into the huddle right now with the talented and amazing and super Eagles fan, uh, Amanda Congaldi of the uh, D.C. Divas of the WFA And uh, she's excited. Uh, Amanda, welcome to the Blitz. And uh, today, no technical issues, so we should be good to go. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you.
2: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? Are you climbing poles, changing the address Uh, on your street to Foles Drive or Street?
3: uh, No, no. Thanks for having me, but... um... No, I'm I'm a diehard fan, but I'm, I'm I do it the right way. You know, I get the gear and I watch every game religiously. But I'm not violent when it comes to either winning or losing. Well, sometimes losing, but we'll, we're not going to talk about that because they haven't lost. So, uh, but I did see a lot of videos and pictures of uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on, and it kind of gives you know a fans a bad rap. But that's not that's not me. <laughs>
1: Amanda, let's, let's talk about the game itself. Uh, you're sitting at the edge, first quarter. Your team's going toe-to-toe here. This is, this is, you, you have to say, arguably, this is probably the best quarterback uh, in terms of Brady, in terms of longevity and everything else. This is the, the uh, basically the big gorilla. So, uh, you know, the way Foles played in the conference championship, uh, did you get the feeling after that that this could be this kind of game, a very tight, good-called game by uh, Peterson?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like Peterson is the perfect coach, you know, head coach and offensive coordinator for someone like Nick Foles. Um, He's very aggressive. And speaking someone who's a quarterback, when you have a coach who's willing to take those shots, I mean, the Eagles were 29 of 20 on fourth down in the entire season. So as a quarterback and, you know, a coach that's willing to take those chances, it just kind of instills confidence in you yourself and Foles is the type of guy that he needs to run off of confidence and then you know you've seen in 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 minnesota he's just taking deep shot after deep deep shot after deep shot and so that obviously carried over and you know when you're playing tom brady you have to go toe to toe i mean as good as our defense is um you know i kind of i didn't expect him to give up that many yards but i expected tom brady to get a share and so it was definitely an edge of the seat, nerve-wracking type of deal but i'm glad that they pulled it
1: off the fourth quarter uh tap of the ball you saw it fumble what was going through your mind right there when you saw that last play because you're giving this guy a lot of time under two minutes he's still going to hit the end zone and he's got weapons amandola gronk what was your, what was it going through your head before that defensive uh you know fumble
3: every other super bowl that they've won that's what that was. That's what was going through my head last year when they when they came back 25 points. I honestly believed that, you know, they were going. He was going to drive them down. We were going to end up going into overtime somehow, and then obviously the 50 50 after that. I didn't really expect, to be honest, for a play like that to happen at that point because our defense was getting pretty much trashed the entire game. So I, I honestly, was, you know, he was feeling it. Gronkowski was feeling it, and. uh... You know, luckily that one play literally—I feel like my mind defined
1: the game. Yeah, and it, that was an awesome play. I mean, he just barely got his shoulder over. A lot of pressure, overpowered. Uh, Brady was ready to release, and he just literally just tips it over his hand. I mean, so uh, I mean, God, I mean, you can't have, you can't ask for a better play or a better ending that way. I mean, that was just so awesome. And your team, I mean, you're talking about a couple Patriots on that team, they knew they had to go 60 minutes. And I think, that, I think that was the difference. I think that the fact that they knew they had to step up for 60 minutes to even have a chance to win. And given what they saw against Atlanta, you figure no lead was safe. I think this, this game was played perfectly on both sides. I mean, Belichick and Peterson, I think they played a very good, very good game on both sides. And just unfortunately, one, pers- one team has to win, and, and that one mistake uh, is the difference. And I think that it was, it was just an awesome game to watch.
3: Yeah, and what's more impressive is when Brandon Graham made that sack, he was actually falling down to the ground. So, as they say, football is a game of inches. He was falling down, leaned his hand out, and got, you know, a tip of Tom Brady's hand, and, um, you know, somehow he fumbled it and we, we recovered it. But, um, yeah, them two, are, that's the best combo in, in, in history, in my opinion. Uh, they're both the greatest at their positions, in my opinion. And so... Um, but to say, I, I don't think I was surprised that they won because when I go back to when, the last time we played the Patriots, which was in 2013, we played them in a regular season. We played them, and we beat them. We actually beat the crap out of them, and Nick Foles was the quarterback, and that was when we had Chip Kelly, and we have a better team around us than we did back then. So I knew Nick Foles can can do it. You know, it was just about who makes the less mental mistakes,
1: All right, Amanda, um, what did you do yesterday? Did you get drunk, or did you, you know, line up, or what did you do? Because I know you you said uh, when we talked uh, on Messenger, you said, hey, I'll see you on Tuesday, and we're going to be champs, and here you are confirming that, so i got to eat my words, I guess. (laughs)
3: Um, No, I I didn't. Uh, I did drink a little bit, but I didn't even get to that point. I I went back home to Philly to watch it with my – uh, my family, I thought it was only right, we're all Eagles fans. So I went back home, and I did have every intention to go to Broad Street and go celebrate with everybody. But then when I started seeing live footage, of cars being flipped over, fires being lit, it, you know, I opted to, you know, stay in and just kind of uh, take a moment with my family since we're all, like, you know, really big Eagles fans. we have been waiting for this for 13 years now.
1: <laughs> all right, Amanda, can you tell us what your dad said? You 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 posted something your dad said during the game.
3: (laughs) Well, in light of Doug Peterson's aggressiveness and play calling, um, he mentioned he made a quote. um, I don't know who makes Doug Peterson's underwear, but the material has to be thick because of Doug Peterson's balls or something like that. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) they're (laughs) laughing. It was.
1: Uh, that's pretty funny. Hey, uh, uh, you know what? I think your dad believed that this guy was going to go toe to toe with Darth Vader and the evil Empire. And I, and hey, you know, you got to believe. I guess you know, if if you get this far, you got to believe you got a shot. You know, and that's that's yeah. really the difference there. You
3: have to speak it into existence, right?
1: Oh yeah. Um, Amanda, I got Luis Bean, and pretty sure you know her name, a former uh, quarterback of the Utah Falcons two-time champion
2: hey, Amanda. and then I got
1: the big college football guru Troy Wilson in the house as well and so um, they're gonna throw some, uh, hey, some questions brother. at you here in a bit so uh, Amanda Ooh. what about the WFA uh, you are replacing a pretty much legend in DC and now this is your team so what do we have to look forward to in 2018 here coming up in a couple months
3: yeah, well, um, you know, I think 2018 is going to be exciting. For exciting, I'm sorry, for multiple reasons. Um, you know, we have a all the schedules came out. And we have a pretty tough schedule, which is really how we try to design our schedule. I know our coaches and our organization tries to you know give us the, the best schedule possible. That way, when playoffs come around, we're going to be ready. So we have not only Boston twice, but we have Pittsburgh twice. Um, we have Philly, which is a very talented team. Um, Carolina has has talent on our team. The Sharks, they have a lot of talent on their team as well. Um, so, you know, we're, as players, we're excited because we we love competition. We don't want to shy away from any of that. And then, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, recruiting and, and when we had tryouts, we had a good uh, a good slew of players who we feel can really help contribute to our team this season who are willing to learn Um just putting in the work, their work ethic has been honestly second to none, uh, with these some of these rookies that we've had. And um it's just kind of a different atmosphere in my opinion than what it was last year in terms of the off season just working out prior to the season. Everybody is just kind of really hungry, um, kind of on a mission and and, and, and we feel like we have unfinished business. I feel like we you know, we were really close last year, um, just lost to Boston and it was a tough one and I feel like uh, just the atmosphere and, and, and the team morale really is, we're just, we're just excited to play this year.
1: All right. Everybody wants to Lombardi. Atlanta is your destination. I can tell already from you telling us. So uh, that's right. the goal, right? Atlanta's the goal.
3: Atlanta is is the goal um, for as many years as the championship will be there. And um, you know, we feel like we have a team to do it. We, Practically have all of our players back, which is um, which is really big, honestly, because you want to be able to have that veteran leadership in your locker room, and so we have that. We even have a couple of coaches who are back, which is um, awesome as well. Continuity obviously is, is really big in, in sports, and so um, you know that coupled with, like I said, with the recruits that we have and 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 the offseason workouts that we've had, um, you know, it, it seems like we have a good chance of getting there but we have to make sure we're consistent we keep, you know, keep putting in the work in throughout the season, which is the toughest part.
1: Were you hey, Amanda, I got a that, question. Uh, go ahead, Bean. Oh, sure.
2: Oh, okay. Hey, um, you know, because you guys had won the two national championships before last year, and last year was your first year as the starter, correct? Yes, that's correct. That, okay. So, um, you know, when you lose, it really stinks, and so it creates a different a different mentality. And so you were ta- referring to the mentality of, oh, you know, our off season, we've been, people were hungry and those kind of things. And um, so I was curious, two questions. First of all, like, well, actually, two questions, two parts to one question. So, okay. um, what do you think is, your, what was the best and the hardest thing becoming the full time starter last year? And then also, um, when you say you have most of your team back, so how many how many returners would you say you have, and then how many rookies would you say you have? And I know that can adjust a little bit here and there, but anyway,
0: it's
2: okay. Uh,
3: so in terms of uh, you know last year taking over for Allie, and I think the biggest adjustment I had to make was everything being the quarterback for the DC Divas entailed because you know, I I I came from a team in Philadelphia. I played for a team for five years called the Philadelphia Firebirds. They were in the IWSL, they they now don't exist. Um so I came over from them and um the expectations were really, really different. Um, you know, just playing for the D C D was in terms of leadership and how to conduct yourself. Um and, and just basically getting the team to buy in to you as a quarterback and their leader and that was the biggest That was the biggest challenge for me because it was just very different than what I was used to. And, um, you know, someone like Allie who um, just being able to play with her for a year, when I first came over I was a receiver, um, and that was in 2016, her last year, just being able to see how Allie conducted herself. And not only did she gain the leadership and the confidence of the offense, but it was the entire team, it was the defense as well. So um, that's something that I feel like, um, I've adjusted to at, at this point, but that was definitely something different for me.
2: Okay, so what was the
3: mm-hmm. best part then? The best part? I mean, you know, there. Th- honestly, this, prior to coming to D.C., um, you know, it was just kind of like a, a, a an afterthought in, in terms of, I never thought I would play for a team like D.C. as close as I was because I'm in Philly and D.C. is two hours away, right? So, mm-hmm. um, the best part, honestly, is just being able to be the quarterback for a team that has such um, a storied franchise, a team that does have that high expectations. I'm a very competitive person, and, um, you know, as much as we might, you know, be like family on this team where we argue or call or anything like that, but we, at the end of the day, um, you know, this is an actual family. We truly do care about each other. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we all go to war with each other. So just the people within the organization from top to bottom, um, starting with our owner and, you know, all the way down to the players, it's, it's really a great
2: franchise to, to be a part of. So it was very different than Philly for you, just another step up.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, don't get me wrong, like, you know, Philly I had a lot of great memories there. Um, but sure, it's just it's so different in terms of um, – this ownership and, and, and players and commitment, you know, here uh, the commitment is serious. You know, you, you will, you know, you will really hear it if you're not at practice, those type of stuff. You know, they, they really, the coaches really believe in discipline and, and, and not making exceptions for certain players, and that's what I really like as well. Is that everyone is treated equally? You don't have any exceptions on the team, and um, you know, but that that's honestly been the best part. Just just
2: the, just the players, the people you're around. Yeah, that makes a whole different experience. Um, so, how many do you expect coming back, and then how many are returners? I mean, uh, newbies. So we have
3: um, we have about 12 or 15 new players, um, and so uh, you know, they're they're. Uh, it's it's always good to get if you're going to get anything in 10 and up. I think it's good with our league if you're going to get 10 or 10 or more new players. That's, in my opinion, I consider that a pretty good recruit class just because of, you know, the responsibility within, you know, playing in this league. But in terms of uh, players that we have coming back, um, I would say probably about 95% of our roster from last year is back. Um, and, and, and the best part is our four players are back as well.
2: So, um, Which for you guys is what, 25, 30, 35? So all together, I would say uh, with our bets, we probably have about 30 coming already coming back. Have okay, that's awesome. 30. Yeah. Well, there's not too many teams that can do that. Um, um, the team that I played for, we were we were able to do that, and so that's a huge thing because I do think the biggest thing in women's football is the experience level. So the good team, yeah, you can have a great athlete and a great new player, but she just doesn't understand the game to think. So the longer a girl plays, the better they are. And, you know, for most girls, they aren't playing since they're in middle league. So, Um, absolutely yeah and definitely when we keep going oh no well I was just
3: going to say I feel like um, you know the the amount of players that we have coming back we have veterans veteran leadership in each position group so that's probably one of the best things about it as well is that we have that veteran presence in every in every group which
2: is really big helps our rookies out yep definitely no that's that's great one thing about you guys in Dallas is that you guys just growing bigger down on the farm. I mean, they're just bigger people that play for you guys. They're taller and they're bigger. So I don't know what you guys feed people up there, but that's a great, that's a great uh, asset that you guys have. Yeah. I think part of it, maybe we just
3: luck out. Um, I know uh, a lot of, a lot of players. I know flag is really, really big around here. and I think it's big in Dallas as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So in, in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, we have flags really competitive. And so most of our players play flag football, and we'll tend to you know try to get a couple players from flag football. Some of them are big, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. Some are best and that type of stuff. So that
2: really helps. Yeah, no, it's like watching you guys sometimes, like watching the WNBA, where the players are just all bigger and taller. So, no, that'll, that sounds would... like you guys have good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do I still get another question? Let's bring in the big Austin? guy, Troy,
1: here. Okay. Let's bring in the big uh, bring guy, Troy, from uh, Washington. Uh, Troy, probably not so much that you're happy that uh, the Eagles won, right?
4: Not at all. Not <laughs> at all, man. I mean, you know, listen, every, Everybody <laughs> knows everyone, everyone who knows me knows I'm a Redskins fan, right? And so, Dude. for some reason around here, Redskins fans still hang on to the notion that, you know, they hate Dallas more than anything. I don't hate Dallas more than anything. I hate the Eagles. And the reason why I hate the Eagles the most is because, for years, they have just found ways to embarrass my favorite team just on a national stage. I mean, you go back to, um, you know, when Gerald Riggs, he ran for 200 yards and ended up fumbling the ball, and, the, and Randall Cunningham brought the Eagles back, and they, I think they won like 42 the you know, to to 38, that was a horrible game. And then we had the body bag game, that was terrible. Um, the night McNabb, he signed a big deal here, and then came out and Michael Vick put 59 on the Redskins. I can go on and on about how many. Times Troy, how you really feel? Embarrassed my team. I, I know
2: I'm I'm oh, totally man. not feeling it. It's, it's, <laughs> he's got some he's got some boring.
4: stuff down in the basement. Oh, my God, yeah. So, I mean, I I literally had this wish. My only sporting wish was that the Philadelphia Eagles never won a Super Bowl. And now I, I have nothing. I have nothing left. So, But you know what? Congratulations to all the Eagle fans. You guys deserved it. Seriously, man. You know, that was a you great know. team you guys had. And it's a great sports town. You got to love that fact. So, I mean, it is good that, you know, the NFC East is now the division of champions. Well, all four teams mm-hmm. – in the division If no other division Can say that In foot In NFL Well all four teams Have actually, have an actual championship So you know what Congratulations to you guys Phillip. No, On
3: behalf of Eagles fans We want to Say thank you And uh,
4: <laughs>
3: those, those games Especially in Recent memory The You know The, the 2010 um, Michael Vick Those are games That I love the most You know And And <laughs> They're the ones that stick with me for a different reason than it would stick with you, but
1: you know, like you said, we're
3: the one division that has um, all 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 rings, so that's something that we can be proud of as a division.
1: Hey guys, hey, Troy, I'm gonna make a note Dallas here. Cowboy fan. The NFC, the NFC East oh, is the only oh uh, division that has beaten Brady between the Giants and Philly. That's now, a sure.
2: Oh, yes. that's sure. That's sure. That's, that's a good one.
3: I see the Eagles doing that again next year. I don't know about you guys.
4: You know, know, I had this discussion earlier today. And so, I'm thinking back in, in 2011. And this was when Aaron Rodgers took the Green Bay Packers to the Super Bowl and they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I just remember saying to myself that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. I still think he is to this day. But man, even with all of that firepower they have on offense, they haven't been back. And I would have thought that they would have been back, especially that MVP year where he threw for like 50 touchdowns. I thought for sure Ooh. they would have made it that year. They didn't make it. So, you know what? In the NFC, it's always a coin flip about, you know, it's a lot of parity in the NFL. I mean, the only, you know, on the AFC side, you always have to say, look, the Patriots are going to find some kind of way to way to be involved. But on the NFC side, I don't know, but I mean, right now, definitely, you guys look the strongest, and you guys did that without Carson Wentz. I think that's the biggest Mm -hmm. thing, and that's what everybody's selling that point on. And not just Carson Wentz, Jason
3: Peters, who, in my opinion, will be in the Hall of Fame one day, um, our starting middle linebacker. To your point with um, Aaron Rodgers, he's my favorite quarterback. I can't even lie, he's my favorite quarterback, and I'm also surprised, just like you are, that the Packers haven't been back as well, because... Rodgers, to me is the most talented quarterback in the league.
4: By far. Yeah. He's he's awesome. I mean, the guy has zero weaknesses. Hey, Amanda, don't you think You only have Hail Marys, guys. Oh, yeah.
2: Amanda, don't you think if Nick Foles decided to stay in Philly, he's got a year left on his contract. Don't you think they they would build a statue right next to Rocky and he'd be revered for the rest <laughs> of his career? I mean, <laughs> that's the you way know. to go.
3: I don't think that's far fetched, to be honest. I feel like uh, I
0: he's
3: the next best thing since sliced bread in Philly right now and uh <laughs> he he's he's being worshipped worship right now, speaking with some of the you know, the Eagles fans, my fellow Eagles fans and um hey listen, if he did I would I would come, I would pay my respects to Nick Foles every time I walk by it and thank you that's
4: Nick. Right.
2: Thank you, Nick. <laughs> he's got free hey, food for the rest hey. of his life. Absolutely.
4: Yeah. He'll never have to buy a cheesesteak in the town again That's, that's, that's
1: right <laughs> He would try with the food
4: <laughs> Hey, listen Philadelphia, if you're listening You guys built a statue Of a fictitious boxer At least Build a statue Of Nick Foles Has he not earned it? Come on, he's earned it Build him a statue, guys Nick Foles, I'm signing on for that one no, I don't yeah, think I definitely. I don't
1: think I give him a statue unless he wins two more. If he wins two more in Philly, I'd give him a statue then. Is, is this you, just a miracle statue? This,
4: this, this, no, no. no, see listen. I, I see I, I don't think you really understand the gravitas of what happened. The Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles won a Super Bowl. The yeah. Eagles. Okay, so, so look, I'm watching I'm watching the Wizards and the Seventy Sixers play right now, okay? They're they're playing in Philadelphia. I'm gonna tell you guys what's going on here. Every 10 seconds or so, someone starts a chant. E-A-G-L-E-S-E. Oh, that's awesome. Literally every 10 seconds of this <laughs> game. That's how, much they are, that's how much they were starved for a championship up there. They might build a statue of all 53 of those players on that roster. I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> telling, I'm telling you, man, they are so ecstatic that they won this title. It's unbelievable right now.
2: Hey Troy, you wanted yeah. to build a statue because you want to go put one of your uh, one of your uh, Washington jerseys on it, don't you? Oh,
4: absolutely! Uh-huh. Absolutely. You know what? the last time, oh, that's oh boy! Yeah, you know what? The Vikings <laughs> had bad juju with that man. I mean, they put that you know that, that purple towel. Uh, it, yeah. Turn out too good. Not only did they well, beat the Vikings, but then they won the Super Bowl in their stadium. Oh man! Yeah, you uh, know what? Yeah. That- you're right. I'm not gonna risk yeah. that one. It's, it's not. It's not worth the
2: risk.
4: <laughs> brave man. Brave man. <laughs> Amanda,
1: he's a favorite. He's a. His colors are still burgundy, so he still roots for you as a DC fan.
3: You know what? Speaking of that, I when I came here, I was like, "Do I really have to wear these colors? Can we just?" Oh my them? God! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's I love. Her.
3: Are you? are almost identical, you know, in terms of the colors. And, you know, I burned a little bit when I put my jersey on the first time, but then I got over it. And uh, <laughs> now I'm happy. Red you it. weren't drunk.
1: Were you drunk at the time when the jersey went over your head?
3: I think I had to get myself to that point because, you know, these <laughs> colors are not in my system at all. <laughs> so. Well, there's great yeah. sacrifice to play for the Divas, I guess. Yeah, it's sacrifice, man. They don't know what i do for them. That's they're
2: right. That's right. Start pulling out the yeah. checkbook. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? You understand?
1: <laughs> Troy, you got anything for Amanda?
0: Yeah.
4: Um, so I, I went to one of the DC Divas games. I, I, I went there 2000, I believe it was 16. Well, for you guys, first game that game against Dallas. Man, it was uh-huh. an impressive atmosphere. Oh, man, it was it was cold as hell. But it was a very oh. impressive. I mean, you guys are an impressive team. And so I'm wondering, where do you guys start recruiting your athletes from? I mean, because, you know, you guys are out there, you got to have some movement out there, a lot of strength. I mean, so some of these girls out there that you guys had, they were out there balling. Where do you guys find your athletes from? Yeah, well,
3: uh, I remember that game. You did not pick a good game to go to uh, for multiple reasons. We got whooped by Dallas, and it was really, really windy and cold. You probably remember it was just terrible. Um, and so, you know, most of those players on there that you're referring to were already established prior to me getting there. But um, you know, the, we you know we try to go to other you know other sporting events. You know, like we have uh, you know basketball players and. You know, players who just got out of college, and most of the recruiting, honestly, most of the successful recruiting is done by word of mouth. So we, we might get a big player, and then that big player might know somebody to recruit another big player. And so um, word of mouth is, is really, really helpful for us. And then, like I said, um, you know, softball players, we try to you know, go to, like, softball games. I'm, I'm sure that um, softball players are really – they can be big sometimes, especially pitchers. Um, and they're also athletic as well, so. That's a good. Uh, that's a good form of recruiting as well.
2: Hey, I'm curious. There's eleven. Last time I counted, there's eleven Division One teams in the WFA, and most of them are uh, Eastern teams. I think there's only uh, the LA Warriors and the Portland Shockwave are the only Division One teams west. So I know you have to play other teams in your regular season, but who do you think is the team to beat once it comes playoff time? And I mean, Chicago's gone. You know, there's been a little bit of changes, so, um, yeah, who do you think?
3: Yeah, well, I think the Chicago loss is really big for the sport as a whole. I don't think our sport, in order for us to grow, can really afford to to lose quality teams like Chicago. I mean, Chicago is very, very talented, and um, so that, you know, that was a big loss for our sport, but in our mind, the team to beat is always going to be Boston, um, because, you know we play them twice a year year in year out. Now we happen to play Pittsburgh twice this year as well, but um you know Boston really is the team we end up playing them three times a year, you know, basically and it's always in playoffs. So um we know each other it's it's probably arguably the the biggest rivalry in women's football uh, is the Boston DC rivalry. So um we know each other really really well and in my mind, I said this to somebody else as well, is you know, in order to beat them, and even the Pittsburghs of the world, um, you you can't beat them with talent because they have just as equal talent on the team. You can't beat them with coaching because their coaching matches your coaching. So you have to beat them uh, mentally. It's always going to be a chess match in there. So you, you kind of have to go toe-to-toe with them mentally. And, and, and just like the Eagles-Patriots game, it comes down to who's going to make the least mental mistakes. And so that's how those games are always won and lost in my mind. Um, but Boston is definitely going to provide the biggest challenge for us, I feel like.
0: One of the
2: questions you that
4: know, I with, have is with, that Pitt – keep going. You go, Troy. Oh, I had one of the, uh, one of the questions I asked was, you guys also had that, had a bit of a rivalry with Dallas. Is it a little Ooh. bit bittersweet that now that they've gone to another division and you guys don't get to play against each other? Yeah, I
3: mean, um, you know, I think it's just bitter all around because, you know, we, we did have a you know a little rivalry going on with Dallas. And, again, that's also a loss, I think, to our sport. Um, now they still have the Dallas Elite that's still on the West Coast, and then they have the Texas Elite in the IWFL. But, um, you know, they're, again, it comes back to as a team, and especially um, myself as an individual, as being a competitor that I am, I want to make sure that we play you know, the the biggest competition there is. And so um, it's definitely bitter um, that that they are out of the WFA. Um, You know, maybe one day they'll get back together as as one whole solid team. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big loss for
2: especially the the, the West Coast as well. I was curious because Pittsburgh, um, oh, gosh, tell me their quarterback's name, I just lost her name. The one that had been playing quarterback for so many years and then she didn't play it last year. She Lisa, played Lisa wide receiver more. Yeah, Lisa. So I think she's back playing quarterback this year. Do any of you guys know why that happened? I mean she was a longtime quarterback and maybe they needed people at wide receiver and but I saw pictures and she's back playing quarterback so Yeah um,
3: I think quarterback is just in Lisa's roots, you uh, know, the... as a you know, as a player, and I know, you know, Lisa a little bit personally, and she's very, very competitive. She, um, you know, she also loves playing receiver. She likes – she likes, doesn't just want to play quarterback. She wants to play everywhere. But I think quarterback is in her roots, and, um, you know,
0: uh,
3: I, I don't know what happened with her other quarterback, Giannis. Um, you know, I'm sure there has to be a reason as to why Lisa's back at that position. But um, you know, either way, if Lisa's back as a quarterback or a receiver, they're they're just equally as dangerous. I mean, Lisa is a great receiver. We played her last year. She killed us. Um, it was a game that came down to the wire, and overtime we ended up locking a kick, and Lisa killed us that game as a receiver. And then um, she actually had to come in and, and and play quarterback because their starting quarterback Janice was injured, and she didn't miss a, miss a beat there. So. Um, Either way, you know they're going to be just as equally as dangerous, in my opinion. And Lisa, she's a great quarterback. She's yeah, she really is.
2: Oh, I think they'll be better if she's at quarterback, just because I think she can influence the game. She runs, she passes. I mean, wide receiver, you can only do so much, I think. But that's just my opinion. I think they'll be even better.
3: Well, um, you know, to, to give my honest opinion about the quality of their team with Lisa as a quarterback or receiver. I felt like they were more dangerous with her at receiver because the quarterback that they had there, Janice, um, she's a good quarterback. She's a quality quarterback, and that's very hard to find. They actually have three quality quarterbacks from their team that I know personally. um, So Janice, because she can get the job done and she's accurate, she's a smart quarterback, um, and then coupled with Lisa, so that gives them another weapon outside of Angela Baker. I felt like they were more dangerous of a team um, with two really, really solid uh, receivers on the outside.
0: Okay.
1: Next All right, Amanda, um, the Divas are going to Atlanta. you got, you got to go through Boston, of course. Now you got to go through mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Now you got to go through Carolina. And you just mentioned it. Your, your schedule is going to be very, very tough. So you are going to be tested sort of like Nick Foles is going to be tested. So it it's the, the the east wing of the WFA I think is the uh regional NFC East if you want to call it that. This is where <laughs> all the top quality teams in the league is not to take away anything from the West Coast teams, but I I mean okay. this is where the heart and soul of the WFA is right now. And so you have done a tremendous job in terms of filling in with uh Allie Hamlin uh and done a great job there. So big shoes to fill for you here. So Going and setting a bar high To Atlanta That would mean a lot for you Right
3: Well uh, I appreciate the compliment Um, You know Obviously I feel like We can always Get better as a team I can get better as an individual Um, And Yeah I mean The bar Even last year To be honest When um, When I took over for Allie And then We had our starting running back One of the best In women's football ever Can you have Grigsby retired Then Ashley was not She retired Everyone retired the same year, and there's three very, very key positions you have to start: running back, starting quarterback, starting receiver. But um, you know, as a as a team and um, me as an individual as well, the bar was still high. You know, I, I knew the talent that we still had in our team. The bar was still high, and I still expected to go really deep into the playoffs with our team because we can't discredit um, the other players, the quality of our overall team, and so. I feel like, you know, we did pretty well in our first year with the turnover that we had, and I feel like the the, the ceiling is just as high and even higher, and I, I feel like the sky is the limit for the team this year going into our second year with this turnover that we have.
0: All
2: hey, right, so
0: Allie you're a
2: going to Atlanta. Coach? Say that one more time. Isn't Allie a coach? Yeah, so Allie actually,
3: uh, he actually took over the role as our offensive coordinator. Um, so, okay. you know, that was a little bit of an adjustment, obviously um, you know, It's different for her, it's very different She mentioned it very different than, you know, calling audibles in a game Or calling your own plays in a game And, um, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment here But we kind of found our way And Allie's <laughs> secret, she's getting a little bit creative this year So, um, you know, I'm excited about it I'm excited. I'm really excited to be on the same page right now
1: All right, Amanda, thanks for making the time. I apologize again for the uh, technical difficulties on our previous uh, schedule. And we are going to be looking forward to uh, how things work out for the Divas in that East Coast tough schedule that you just mentioned. Um, It's a very tough schedule, very competitive. And you mentioned it earlier, you know, you usually get to play Boston three times, and that's pretty much the goal because if you can get overcome Boston, you pretty much, you know, you're into the uh, playoff positioning and maybe – uh, to atlanta so tough to schedule on uh, you're up against it you said you're you, you know you accept the challenge so uh, we look forward to you in april and see uh, if we can uh, chat again in the middle of, of april or may and see where we're at in terms of halfway point in the season and how things are looking for the divas
3: awesome i appreciate it and uh, appreciate you having me it's nice to meet you officially you know, Bean, and uh, I heard a lot about you. Um, I have a friend that actually played in Utah there. And uh, Troy, it's nice What's to meet you What's your friend's as well.
2: name? It's Sarah. Sarah Galicia. Oh, gosh. Sarah's <laughs> your friend? Holy moly, that girl. <laughs> oh, no, she's my one of my faves. So, anyways, that's awesome. Yes, it was nice Keep... to talk to you. Yeah, it could be a secret. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we'll talk soon, uh,
3: Oscar, and I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Amanda, take it easy safe travels out there. Keep working hard, and uh, we will uh, see if we can touch base in the middle of the season, see where we're at. And, and, uh, you know, we're wishing and praying that uh, Atlanta is the final destination for you guys this year.
3: Awesome. Talk soon. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.
1: Have a great night. Thanks for making the time. Appreciate it. All right, guys, that was Amanda Congialdi of the DC Divas, the new leader of the DC Divas, starting off this uh, 2018. So uh, Troy uh, and Luis, uh, that's a transition. Uh, Pittsburgh's in in transition. Obviously Chicago at one point was also in transition. Uh, I think in the WFA all the way around this year, there's a lot of transition at the leadership positions because there are legendary people that have played over 10 years now are going away. So there's a kind of like a new generation mentality in terms of certain clubs, especially on the East coast.
2: Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, the WFA has added some, you know, the advisory board and some things like that to, to enhance, um, you know, what they do. I mean, there's what, I think I counted maybe 15. I don't, don't quote me on this. I looked it up once, 15 new division three teams. Um, Maybe a couple less, because I think a couple of them were Division 2 teams, the one in Sacramento and the one in uh, San Diego. Um, so, you know, they're definitely uh, – but the, the ones at the top, it's been diminished. You know, the top-tier teams, that's only 11 teams. And, you know, that's your highest perceived quality level of football. And so, yeah, they've lost some quarterbacks, and you always lose a few veteran players, key players, and – and so, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, if the, if, the, if the coaching staff and the ownership can overcome the, and enhance the next man up uh, ideology. And, you know, I think when I, it was nice to have her talk about how great it is to play for the Divas, because I think, you know, the really good clubs have really good leadership and really good ownership, and they get their players to buy in. And obviously I think that's the, like the Patriots. The Patriots, you know, you hear the Patriots' way. And whether you love them or hate them, they know how to, they know how to be successful, and uh, and they get players that aren't always stars, and they become household names. So and they get coaches, all their coaches are successful, and they don't all aren't always successful when they leave. So you know it's a tribute to Belichick. So I just think it's interesting to watch them because I like to see success and how do you maintain success? Because it's very easy to get um, jealous or everyone wants a pat on the back or everyone wants to, you know, have everyone think that they had a more important role than their teammate or things like that. So, to me, it's just interesting to watch that organization. So, it'll be interesting to see how the Divas do and, and you know, other successful organizations that's not easy to maintain.
1: Yeah, Troy's mentioned in the past, you know, uh, that, you know, in, in New England, it's like next man up. It's very important that way, and I think that's how they sustain themselves and the core of scouting and things like that. Um, Troy, before, uh, you know, I me and Luis already kind of talked about the Super Bowl, what did you think of the Super Bowl, Troy, the beginning of the first first two quarters and then the the obviously the fumble at the fourth quarter? So, what was your impression at the beginning? It was like toe-to-toe, right? Yeah, it was
4: a lot of fireworks, man. I mean, um, just watching both of those teams go up and down the field and, and the way they were throwing the ball around, it, it almost seemed, though, like um, – Somebody said something to the refs and said, look, let's not slow this game down and penalize the hell out of everything. Um, cause it, it was some egregious calls that, that looked like that they were missed. Um, some of the catches in, in the game were, were, were pretty, were, uh, were pretty questionable. Um, so you know, I was just wondering, you know, what was kind of going on. The game did had a nice flow to it. The other thing, man, what what happened to what happened to my my, my guy Malcolm? You know, <laughs> they benched him? Just just uh, him Malcolm
1: Malcolm is rumored that he was apparently drunk. No, I'm just kidding. He actually clarified that none of that was true. So, uh
4: I yeah. don't know. Mystery. I just you know, and, and listen, man, um, you know Eric Rowe, who used to be a Philadelphia Eagle. They just they put him out there on the island, and the Eagles just said, wherever that guy goes, we're going there, because he's just not as good as Malcolm Butler. is. I mean, it's just I I don't know. I mean, I I can't wait to hear that story come out. But if that guy had two legs, and they were all working. And this is the Super Bowl. Whatever he did, it couldn't have been that bad. Let's go out there and win a game. I just, you know, I I love Belichick. I would never question that guy, you know, because it, in my opinion, he's the greatest coach of all time. But on this one, I have, to. you know, I I I gotta know. I mean, I have to know. Did he did he punch him in the mouth in the locker room? He had to do something like that, right? I just want to know what he did to to warrant being benched in the Super Bowl if he's played ninety eight. And a half percent of all your defensive snaps all year long. I really want to know that. Well, I think everybody wants to know that. So much
2: speculation. I know he really does. So much speculation. I just think, okay, we got to get to the bottom of this because there's just so many things you hear, different rumors, different tweets, different, you know, fifty different opinions on ESPN. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I'm sure he called up his agent the next morning and said, "Hey, we're moving." because, you know, he's, unre- he's unrestricted, so he's good. he's good to
1: go. Yeah, I don't think that was the issue. I think the issue was, like, internally there's probably something, like uh, Troy was saying, that to, to really bench a player and not have a play, it had to have been something personally, you know, as a personal matter, or it had to have been something health-related that he's not disclosing or the team doesn't want to disclose. That's usually oh, yeah, the that's option. what I'm saying. You
2: know what I mean? So the next morning he'd probably call up his agent, because he's, he's a res- he's free agent. So you know you're probably sure. saying, "Hey, I'm out of here." So,
1: yeah. Um, Troy, the strip ball on Brady. Uh, when you saw that, you know it was coming, right? You know it was like, uh, you know he he was getting down the field, one throw to the end zone, maybe a two point conversion. I mean, what what was your thoughts before that fumble?
4: Um, uh, before the fumble. You know, we got the Patriots who are down by five points. I, I thought the Patriots were just going to win this game. I mean, that's what they do. That's what they do. I mean every every Super Bowl that they've been in, they've done that. You know where they you know bought it. They bought it home in the last drive of the game. I mean, I was pretty much you know relaxed, and I'm pretty sure they were too. But man, it just you know, Shaq Mason on the you know the right guard, he, he misses the block. Brandon Graham comes in there who by the way went to Michigan. Go blue. On, <laughs> um, but I mean I mean that was a Michigan on Michigan thing there, but man, I mean, what a play. I, I didn't I didn't think that was coming. But then uh, you know, something told me, I said to myself, listen, all they have to do is hold them for three. You know, you you got you got you know, you're down by eight. I think the Patriots can make it and I actually I was surprised that, you know, the way everything unfolded that they didn't at least, you know, get a little bit further down the field. But, but it, man, what a, it was just tremendous all the way around. Man, Tom Brady was beside himself after that game. I mean, you know, that, that guy, if anybody, is the ultimate competitor. And, you know, I know he was destroyed. And one thing that really kind of upset me is that people were sitting back saying he was a sore loser. You know, because he didn't go shake Nick Foles' hand. I don't think that was the calmest scene for people to go out there and walk around and try to find guys, right? I mean, he was pretty much, you know, going crazy. It was everybody on that Philadelphia Eagles sideline was going crazy. The fans are going crazy. He running all over the field. He did happen to find those guys after the game. He went and talked to Brandon Graham. He talked to uh, some of the defensive players, and, and Tom Brady went ahead and congratulated those guys. So I just wish people would stop that kind of narrative. But man, that, to me it was one of the most it was the one of the best Super Bowls I've seen. Start to finish, it was just a great game. And then, you know, again, congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles, their first Super Bowl. And there's nothing there is no Super Bowl better than your first one.
1: I can attest to that. Ninety nine was wonderful.
4: Didn't know what to do with yourself. It was just, you know, you just all you wanted to do was talk about football and read about the Super Bowl and all kinda of stories that's involved in it. This is going to be one of them, man. So, you know, they're going to be talking about this for years and years. Where were you when our Eagles won the Super Bowl? That's what these fans are going to be saying. So, yeah, I mean, again, congratulations to them. All
1: right. So we're going to talk about offseason news and notes eventually here in the next couple weeks because that's usually how it starts. You know, rumors start. Who's leaving? Who's coming? Who's getting traded? Uh, what roster is going to change? What division is going to be the weakest? Uh, so, uh, if you tune into NFL network, I'm pretty sure you'll get all the drama news fields and then we'll just take tidbits and hot bits from there. And then each of us will have our opinion on it. But, uh, in the next couple of weeks, it's pretty much, that's what it is. So, uh, we'll keep up to it, um, between the three of us here, including Holly, when she jumps in and chimes in. So between now and probably May, that's pretty much off season. Then we've got the draft coming up. So that's also going to be very key in terms of who's coming, who's going. And uh, so,
4: Troy, I'll ask year.
1: you the question. I'll ask you the question right now. Um, are the Patriots done with, uh, the, you know, the coaching swings where one coach is going to the Colts and, every, and the, the other coach is leaving? Are they done, or is it just going to be the same as
2: usual?
4: Oh, no, they're done. They're done with that. I mean, just, you know, the fact that I just think that Robert Kraft just loves sticking it to the Colts. You know, the whole deflate gate thing. You know, I mean, Robert Kraft would do whatever he has to do to stick it to the Colts. And I'm pretty sure he went and gave Josh McDaniels a pretty big bag of money for him to stay being the offensive coordinator in in New England. I just think that that was was just great. I mean, and then, look, the Colts, they, they tried to come out and do a little bit of damage control.
0: Because it was kind
4: of childish because they came out and said, "Oh well, we knew he was going to do that. If you knew he was going to do that, then why did you even offer him in the first place?" So what are, we, what are we doing here? So I just, you know, I just love the, you know, the the anger between both of those teams. That's a real rivalry right there. So, but Robert Kraft oh, yeah. legitimately hates the Colts and legitimately hates that entire franchise.
1: Wow. I
2: think I, as long you know as what Belichick's
4: there
1: go ahead
2: me. Oh, as I was gonna say, as long as Billacheck's there and Brady's there, I think they can get the right pieces. I just think there's there's just a system, there's an understanding, there's a way they do things. And um you know, I feel like I came from a team that was similar to that. Um in the sense that there's just a way you do things and it's not everyone's way and not everyone wants to do it that way. And you know, you can hear players in the NFL that have played for the Patriots and things like that that I've heard, and they'll say, "Hey, you know what? If you can conform to that way, it's going to work for you, but it's not for everybody. And, you know, I think they're, they're a disciplined, professional team. They don't talk smack. They don't talk out. You know, they kind of keep things in-house. And Bilicek runs that ship. And I think as long as checks there and, uh, and Brady's there and he's healthy, and I think he'll come back, even though his wife doesn't want him to, but I think he'll come back for another one. And he doesn't want to end like that. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely would – if I, was a, if I was a betting person, I'd put some money on them not to win the Super Bowl, but I definitely think they'll be successful. So.
1: Yeah, playoffs is probably I'm, I'm, always I'm, in the picture, especially if he's still there.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say this before the offseason even begins, before free agency, all of this other stuff, the Patriots will be back in the Super Bowl next year. I'm saying okay. it
2: right now. And Nick Foles' trophy. I mean a uh, statue right?
4: <laughs> Oh
1: yeah
0: Nicole, Nick Foles is probably
1: going to get Crisco exactly. Crisco That's what we were talking about last He's going to get Bucket to Crisco
0: oh, No I'm just
4: kidding No, no I know They're going to put Crisco on that tick-
1: statue sorry.
4: Oh yeah exactly, exactly. They're going to have to protect it man
2: 24-7 Hey there's coaches wow. that are dying to go play Coach at Boston At New England so They won't have any problems
1: Oh, no, I, I, that's a, agreed. I mean, I think that's not, not going to be an issue. All right, so, guys, um, we can go to uh, add us on Snapchat all season long. Snapchat's going to be our, the place to be uh, with fun times with Great Iron Athletes. We got a couple players lined up for this month and next month internationally as well, as plus in the States. So, if you haven't, uh, add us on Snapchat. You go to Snapchat, Great Iron Beauty on Snapchat. So, check it out there. You can also follow us on Facebook. Everything Facebook is weekly, weekly stories, insights from a lot of links, insights, networks. Uh, we built this network for almost seven years now and pretty strong. We got a lot of reliable people that sent us information. Uh, example, we got the FIFA, uh, the Federación Española de Fútbol Americano, the LNFA Femenina in action This, this uh, uh, between now and May. We also have the FFFA in France uh, also in action between now and May. And we have Gridiron West coming up here February 10th, the inaugural West Bowl 2018. Perth Blitz taking off Perth Broncos. Uh, The Blitz have been undefeated all season. Uh, So you can get the articles there as well on our Facebook page. Dive into the playoff scene in Gridiron West. And uh, Troy and Luis, uh, this league uh, is its first year. They started it out um, because of the fact that Australia is just kind of like a hotbed for women's gridiron right now. Queensland started it off a couple of years ago. Then gridiron Victoria jumped in. Then you had gridiron New South Wales jump in. You got the act gridiron. So pretty much every regional section of the country at some point decided, oh, we got to have this. And this year they went ahead, uh, the actual governing body said, we got to have our own so we can compete. Um, so the uh, women's uh, Australian gridiron league national tournament, which is basically a national tournament that's going to take place in May through June and gridiron West, uh, is going to be the host, uh, over in Perth, West, uh, Australia. So, uh, Luis, this is huge because this country has embraced uh, women's gridiron at, at, the same level as netball, at the same level as, you know, AFL women. Um, they're just getting to that stage where the men's clubs are supporting the women in that sense. So um I just you know I've been following them um uh, when I started uh, the relationship with Christy Moran and and Laura Evans in Queensland and now to see it to completely mature into this huge deal and then last year I mean this past year uh them creating the Gridiron Australia national team to go to Vancouver so so it's a huge uh, huge uh, environment there and they love women's gridiron.
2: That's awesome.
1: So they're, they're going to be, like, very excited to do the uh, tournament in May, especially hosting the tournament and the inaugural. So uh, the Blitz uh, uh, feature uh, Brittany Ware uh, as well as Nicole Harvey, Keegan, um, uh, all of the players there. Former The former players from the Ladies Gridiron League, West, Co- uh, West Australia Angels, um, which is now no longer in existence. But they started this league, and so they've gone undefeated. They're going to be taking on um, – Perth Broncos, which has a great running game. You can get the rundown, the semifinal uh, rundown in terms of what's going to be for the championship. You can get it on our Facebook page, and we have the article there from uh, West Australia as well. Um, the Sapphire series is in the UK. This is uh, an amazing series. Um, it's Sapphire series is the 7-on-7, seven 5-on-5 seven, five five format. 7-on-7 seven seven is the national Division, Division 1, Division 2, and the uh, second divisions are going to be 5-on-5. The uh, national title basically is decided on the the upper divisions. And so uh, double coverage uh, is going to have coverage all the way around between now and the uh, end of the season. And uh, we will see if the Birmingham Lions women can make it five in a row. This is they're going for their fifth championship in the tournament. Um, so it's hats off to them. They're doing an amazing job. You can get all the results this week uh, on our Facebook page as well, uh, via double coverage, of course, and you can dive into that and, uh, we'll keep tabs on it on Twitter and on our Facebook. And we'll also spotlight some, some of the players as we get amazing photography from the Sapphire series. We'll post that up on our Instagram. And so, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Phoebe Sketzer, our New York football athlete as well in the news. And she's going to be uh, just landing in the U.K. a couple hours ago. So she's going to be donning the uh, Birmingham Lions uh, gear as well. So for the next series. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting times there. So, um, Louise and and Troy, this this is basically no different than Australia. Um, The British American Football Association has embraced, you know, the women's side of American football. And they also fielded the team to go to Vancouver. So this is exciting times.
2: Yeah, it it is. I mean, it really does. The next time they have that World Games, I because I felt like the other competition, the other national teams had closed the gap a little bit this last time, and so I think the next time will be even better.
1: Yeah, you got a lot of uh, talented players in this league. Uh, eleven, almost, uh, the eleven and eleven format tournament, which is called the Diamond, the Diamond Series, uh, it's going to kick off in the summer. So, it kicks off uh, I believe in May through August. And that's when they play 11-on-11. 11 11. And what they do is they, they pull together uh, for all the players from the Sapphire series, and they do like an AFC-NFC type matchup, which is a blue and, red, blue and red team. So they go north and south type mentality. So uh, they've done a tremendous job out there. Jim Messenger, and the British American Football Association has done a, a tremendous job of supporting uh, Baffa women and, uh, and the brand itself and making it grow. Um, They also have an amazing um, flag football program as well out there in UK that obviously contributes to that. So uh, hats off to everybody in the United Kingdom who who have done a tremendous job.
2: Well, they seem to intermix things. You know, know, with the tournaments and just the different teams and their different formats, I think, hey, that's really awesome. It's just about trying to grow the sport and get girls better at it and get them more experienced at it. And, um, yeah, I mean, when I saw some footage of the 7 on seven. 'Cause I've never seen seven on seven tackle. I've seen I mean, I've played in a lot of seven on seven flag, but uh yeah, it's a different different kind of sport and but you know they're it's uh some quality football. So anyway, it's interesting what they do and how they're growing the sport in other places, so it's cool to see.
1: Yeah, and this team, um this team last year or the year before they went to uh Vancouver, uh they competed at the Euro Championships the uh, and they were they finished second against Finland. So they have a lot of talent on the squad. Um, and a lot of the players on the uh, Great Britain team are now uh, well-known, you know, pioneers out there. So um, Afia Law, you got uh, Ollie Davies, you got TV uh, well, Skechner. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, mentoring being done in the U.K. in terms of uh, elevating the game to another level. And there's a lot of clubs in terms of university support, uh, on the men's side, just like they do in Australia, that obviously support the women's side of, of American football. So that's a sort of a nice thing to have, which is something that we don't have in the states, which is kind of a, a shame that we don't have, you know, colleges supporting the women's game here in the states. That would uh, truly elevate the game here at a different level, but it, unfortunately, it doesn't happen here. So, but uh, it does happen in the UK, and they're making very successful strides.
4: Not to mention that the colleges and the professional teams here have a lot more resources than those teams yeah. in 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 the UK and Australia.
1: Yeah, I don't know what, how that becomes of it, but uh, you know, you would think that as big as the NCAA is, you would you would assume that at least the NCAA would take care of that. So, uh, you know, that was uh, Sam Gordon's message at the NFL Honors, where you know the high school level must must come to a level of acceptance. And then hopefully then the college level will be sort of a demand, you know? So hopefully that's, that's how we can see that in the next five years. But she's, she's been working really hard with her dad and uh, Crystal Sacco out there in Utah. So they've done a tremendous job and they've inspired, obviously the Georgia uh, tackle football league, the Indiana tackle football league. And we can't forget about the Manitoba girls that started it all in Canada. So it's a, you know, hats off to everybody out there. Um, Um, that have done a tremendous job in terms of the youth level trying to get um, all these programs up and running so we can get a feeder system of reality so that maybe at some, at some point we get a college mentality.
2: You know, this is a discussion for another day, but because I, you know, was in Utah during all the time that this was going on, um, I definitely saw firsthand kind of what happened, how things came about, um, how the whole league got started, who was involved, you know, how was Sam and her dad involved, what are they doing now? Um, because there's a lawsuit going on, and, um, you know, Utah definitely, in people's eyes, may not have been the first place where they thought, oh, you know, football, Um, women's football and that kind of thing, but it's definitely um, a unique state, and it seems okay with the idea of girls playing football. Obviously, the Falcons have been well-supported, and they have a great fan base, and a lot of that could be attributed to the leadership of the Falcons, and and how we marketed it and things like that but um but yeah another time another day um I can definitely shed some light on how that has come about and and a lot of people like a whole lot of people that made that possible for those girls to play and to have a voice and um you know and Sam definitely played a role in that so interesting, it'll be it, that's an interesting discuss, discussion for another day but you has definitely done really well but man it's taken a whole lot of people to make it happen so Anyway, yeah, good thing. and
1: that's that's uh, I think that's the key point right now for us. It's frustrating that in North America, at the birth of the sport, that we have all these barriers, all these hurdles. You know what I mean? You would think this would be the uh, example of how to get it up and running. And the international uh, in- international countries seem to have a more supportive mm-hmm. side for the women in terms of getting programs up and running, supporting them financially or funding them or, you know, or whatever. And here in the States, we don't have that. So uh, it's just, I don't know. It's like I said, with the amount of money that NCAA pulls together, the amount of money the NFL makes, um, things like that. um, Even the CFL has started to uh, recognize the Western women's Canadian football league uh, and the maritime in terms of, you know, something that they can uh, reach out to and partner with to bring in fans for them as well, but also acknowledge that the, you know, the sport is awesome there too. So um, it's going to yeah. take some time, I think, but here it's kind of a shame that we don't have that given it's the birth of, you know, birth of the sport here. Um,
2: yeah. that's The other thing
1: is yeah, it's kind of frustrating te- technically in a lot of ways because, you know, uh, in Spain, uh, we talked about FIFA, Spain, the Barbera rookies continue to roll uh, this is, this, they own this league. Almost seven, uh, six out of the seven championships have gone to the Barbera rookies in this uh, LFA Femenina. They open up the, uh, the season uh, 1-0, obviously, 34-0 against the uh, Pioneers. And Monica uh, Rafikas uh, Scott out there, who played on Team Spain, uh, took care of business, as well as with uh, Pat uh, Miocli, Miel- if I'm saying it right. Um, we got her featured on our Instagram, What a beast on defense, played an awesome game. Uh, check out the highlights from Thornton's Lux, who uh, was out there live, taking pictures for us. Um, he does an amazing job out there covering the LNFA Femenina in Spain, as well as Barcelona Buffalo's 30, 34-0 Week 2 action against Badalona Drax. The Badadol, uh, Badalona Drax have not won in two years, uh, not because of effort, or no, you know, they, they put up an effort, but just been very competitive in terms of the top 4 teams in this in this league and so Badalona has obviously been at the lower end of uh you know obviously on the on the donut side which is not cool but uh they've they've been able to, to make strides in certain games but not a win and uh, you can't forget Teresa Red Girls as well so the top 3 teams right now are going to be uh, the uh, Bar- Barbera rookies Barcelona Buffaloes and the Teresa Reds Teresa last year very impressive till the final um and they they you know they get edged this year they're kind of hungry they want to get back to that and it looks like uh, they're on a good uh, good road for that um so guys uh, in spain this is uh, kind of huge in terms of scope because they also have programs in the beginning of the season prior to the season they have the copa española which is the spanish cup for the women's league which is kind of a, a tune-up for the regular season um and then they also have flag just like they do in uk so uh, a, a very good program here. We've been following it for the last uh, four years, almost five years. And so it's evolved into a very competitive league. And a lot of the players in Spain participated at the Women's World Games, and also were part of Team Spain in the previous World Championship. So, um, you know, a lot to be proud of in Spain at this point. So uh, heads off to them. And we're looking forward to week three. All these leagues in the, in the international scene uh, obviously pay, uh, play in a two-week span. So they usually go uh, one month, and they go two weeks, and they go to the next month um, so that the players get the rest time and obviously recovery time. So it's awesome how they plan that out, and they do a a good benefit to the players in that way. Sounds good. Awesome. So um, get all the results on the French uh, Challenge Feminine on Facebook, on our Facebook page. You can also uh, check out our Twitter feed daily for updates and all that. The WFA announces partnership with CIP Group, SIP uh, Group Consulting. Uh, and I believe the owner is with the Arkansas Wildcats, part of the ownership of the Arkansas Wildcats. So uh, the partnership really uh, enhances the brand and, and, and helps out the teams. So we'll see how that turns about for 2018. But uh, the WFA, in partnership with SIP Group Consulting, to try to get the brand out and, and expose it more to the mainstream and uh, hopefully benefit in terms of fundraising. Uh, it's a non-profit mentality, so uh, donors and, and, and all that to help out to get the, um, you know, the league to get more sponsorships and stuff like that. So it's a good move on uh, Lisa and Mr. King out there to try to get another party to help them elevate the brand. So that was pretty exciting news this week. All right, uh, you know, Troy.
4: There's a lot that. Go ahead. No, go
1: ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, tell me. Are you there, Troy? We lost it. I don't know if we cut out. Are you still there, Troy? Louise, uh, can you hear me?
2: Yep, I can hear you.
1: Okay. I don't know. Uh, Troy, still there, buddy? I think he might have dropped off. So uh, we'll see if he calls back right now. Because sometimes there are cell phone feeds. I know I've gotten to where I'm doing it remotely, and I go through the mountain ranges, and then, boom, I get dropped off. Yeah, yeah. So that happens a lot, especially with cell phones and stuff. So we'll get him back up right now. Should be coming up in a second. But um, I think he was, you know, He's kind of, uh, I think he was trying to mention how all these things are happening internationally, how the growth is so huge, and uh, he's been with me for uh, a long time as well, and I think he's seen the growth of well, how things are evolving outside of the North American realm, and so, you know, a lot of effort's been put into that. I mean, even in Guam, of all places, uh, we got an amazing league there in Guam as well, so it's, it's kind of exciting to, when you see it all in a global scope, how the sport is kind of evolving
2: Oh, definitely. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, I've had a couple teammates that have gone to the World Games um, just because they said it's so cool to see all the international players and the international flair and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, if it's grown in my state in the last eight years, we know it's grown everywhere else. You know, it's just it's just the nature of the sport right now. So, kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and, and the good thing about it is it's, it's, it's being embraced in a way that is uh, internationally friendly uh, because I know AFI, you know, American Football International covers pretty much everything outside of the NFL and the CFL in North America, and and they do a great job of doing that. So literally, uh, the scope of the women's game, uh, nobody has done it like we have over the last seven years. So I'm I'm very proud to say that because I think that's brought some attention to it. And then also networking with people that are live there they make the effort to gather the information spotlight talented athletes in each league uh, it's, it's bringing attention that there are amazing talented women that play american football
2: oh yeah definitely i mean yeah it's it's kind of the you know the new next thing i think in women's sports even though there's a lot of women's sports out there and there's always new sports that are evolving and coming up and you know well you'll see that just in the winter olympics but you don't want it's a game. And I've always felt like if you work hard and if you learn the game and you earn your spot, then you're going to be recognized as legit and uh, it'll be hard to turn away from that. If it's good quality football, then it'll be hard to turn away from that. So it takes, it takes a little bit of time, especially for people that are 21 and have never played the sport sometimes. so, um, But I think you just have to keep your head down and get, keep going to work and things will come.
1: Hi right, Troy, if, you, uh, if you're listening to us, or uh, just go ahead and call back. See if I can put you back on there. Um, I think that switchboard dropped off or his phone dropped off, so I don't know where, what area he's in right now. But uh, if he you, if you chimes in, I'll, I'll plug him back in. Um, the awesome thing about some of the stuff that we've done in the past is the reach in terms of our podcast uh, now being on Apple Podcasts. So you can get great interview on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you get the link out there on our Facebook page as well as on Twitter. Uh, we have basically got some stats this past week kind of blows me away because uh, in North America combined between Mexico, Canada, and the U S we have a 40% reach out of a hundred, which is huge. Then we have uh, coming up after that is Europe uh, 47 for North America. I mean. And then it's 40, almost 40% for Europe Then about seven Australia. And then we had uh, this past uh, month, Brazil, we've been able to reach and penetrate Brazil through Apple Podcasts. So we're getting the word out. Everybody's kind of make, you know being aware of that uh, there isn't a women's American football, not just in the U.S., but it's uh, globally. And I think a lot of people are getting excited.
2: It, sounds, it sure looks like it. I mean, that whole rundown, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, it's great to, to see that happening, uh, especially with everything else. Um, the other news I got, I got some bad news, unfortunately. Um, Lovey Tobar, uh, one of our outstanding no joke football athletes. Uh, she plays, she's a dual sport athlete, young lady there. Uh, she plays soccer and she plays football. And this weekend in her soccer match, um, unfortunately she tore her ACL and will be out for the season. She's normally the kicker for Del Valle, um, uh, team, out in know Paso. So, uh, uh Lovey Tovar, we're uh, you know, praying for you, we're good recovery, uh, stay afloat with your uh, rehab and all that good stuff, and uh, we're, we're hoping you get back on your feet. And uh, she, She's going to be one of the uh, athletes that we're going to be on Snapchat coming up in, in this uh, next week or two. So she will take us through her journey of recovery, similar to uh, what Holly Custis went through in, in a lot of ways in terms of a knee injury, and so we wish her well. And then we've got to uh, give a shout-out and congratulations to Savannah Melton, out in Arkansas of NLR Football, also one of our Nojo football supporters, young lady out there. Um, she's gotten multiple scholarship offers to go to place uh, certain schools, either on a soccer or on a, on a scholarship for football. So we'll see which of those two pan out. So it's kind of exciting news for those two young ladies.
2: Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: And they're, they're working towards it because uh, they deserve it. Um, I know um, Savannah was on the Chargers team that won uh, her uh, division uh, in in state championship. And then you also have Lovie Tovar as well on um, doing her thing with uh, the football team as well as the soccer. So a lot of the girls transition, both of these girls transition from soccer to kickers on their team. So that's an awesome, awesome job by the both of them and a commitment.
2: It's just cool to see women excelling in athletics. And uh, just doing good things out there and, and making a name, drawing attention to the sports, things like that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty uh, awesome to uh, see how they turns out with their season. And I'm looking forward to Savannah see where she lands in terms of, you know, where she gets her, um, her scholarship and all that and how that works out for her because uh, she uh, deserves it. She's put in a lot of time. She's uh, even gone to kicking clinics and all that stuff around the country. So that's awesome.
2: It'll be, you know, what I, I'm not saying that a girl's going to make it in the NFL because that sport is just so the athletes and the speed and the hitting is just beyond what most of us can comprehend. Um, and sometimes when people think, oh, you know, I play football, I say, hey, it's not like the NFL. The speed is not the same. And so, um, you know, it's the speed of women, uh, which is different. So I think it'll be hard for a female to be in the NFL. Um, but if they have that dream, you know, not saying they shouldn't try. Uh, I just think. But the, I think there'll be avenues open up in the next 10 years that will give people different opportunities. So to to play more after high school and things like that.
1: I think we might see the first, um, you know, a girl in the NFL maybe as a kicker. If yeah, the I can see that possibly. Needed. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be the first inroad, because that's a skill set that is easily attainable and competitively can be done by both uh, male and female, because it's literally more of a, of a skill in terms of a foot and range, yeah. and I think the, yeah. the, the chemistry isn't, you know, body type isn't the issue there. It's more of how uh, accurate you are in terms of your, you know, your kicking ability and all that stuff. And the majority of the players, uh, majority way. of the uh, male players that do kicking, obviously come from a soccer background anyway. So what, yeah, what's yeah. to stop a girl from competing in at that same level in terms of a kicker? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. If they if they if they can kick, you know, uh, 45 and above, then yeah. There's, but you know that just comes down to okay, can you can compete? Can you compete? Can you prove it? Can you earn it? And if someone can, then there you go.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, really what
2: it boils like, down to. I don't feel like girls should be handed something just because they're a girl. Um, I just think that if, you know, if there's a desire, if there's an opportunity, if there's a uh, um, if there's enough girls that want to play football, I mean, you, you can't just put it in a high school and if there's no one that wants to play. I definitely think there's girls that want to play, but you got to have enough of them. You know, you gotta, it's an expensive sport, so... You know that's that's my feeling on it. You, you can't just do things just because there has to be there has to be follow up. There has to be the work ethic. There has to be the desire. There has to be enough people. There has to uh, you know you can't just show up and say hey I'm a girl now or I'm a girl Let, let's do this. No you got you got to prove it. Just like a lot of high school sports have to like lacrosse in Utah just recently became or I'm saying in uh, Salt Lake area just recently became an accredited high school sport. But it had to spend a couple years being sport, and they would combine high schools and things like that. Same with uh, girls rugby. Um, it's it's like a club sport, so you have to you have to take you have to take the steps and earn your way and things like that.
1: Yeah, I agree, I, and I think it's going to happen. There's a lot of talented ladies out there now, inspired to do something big. So uh, that's a that's a bonus, and that's a great opportunity for them too to get to that next level. Um, thanks yep, everybody for supporting our Zazzle shop. Uh, if you haven't gone to Zazzle, go to zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Get tees, leggings, uh, gifts there. Save up to fifteen percent daily. I want to thank everybody that's done that and using the code. And then if you want to get free shipping, it's ten dollars. It's nine ninety five to get free shipping for a whole twelve months. So you can get free shipping in the states. And you can get your gear without paying an extra dime for for shipping. I know that's a big deal for a lot of people. So we got uh, working with Zazzle and Zazzle Black, ten dollars for the year, get you free shipping. You can order our stuff. If you do order our stuff, please, I encourage you to go ahead and share it. Uh, message us on Facebook at our Grand Iron Beauties page. Uh, direct messages on Twitter. Um, however means you need to do it. Um, and let us know, and we'll go, we're will go. we more than happy to spotlight you on our page so we can let everybody know that, obviously, you're supporting the women's game. And if you're an athlete uh, or a women's uh, gridiron player and you're supporting our stuff, more power to you. Let us know. We're more than happy to spotlight you as well as your team and your league to get the word out so everybody's aware that, obviously, girls play American football, and their game is no joke, just like a girl. So, awesome. Thank you, everybody, for uh, supporting us, and thanks for Zazzle for keeping us afloat. And uh, actually believing in us in terms of what we do here with the podcast on Block Talk Radio, as well as on our Apple podcast as well. Um, Louise, it's been an exciting debut for you. Uh, I don't know how you feel right now, but uh, uh, this is how it goes and this is how, what we do. And we bring attention to the sport. We talk uh, a little bit NFL news and notes and then also some college football when we get to that level. So uh, welcome aboard.
0: All right. Hey,
2: thanks. Had a good time. And uh, we'll look forward to Troy's statue in the future. So,
1: Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's going to be pretty exciting going into the offseason uh, with the draft coming up here, kind of figuring out what the pieces are going to work in terms of the NFL. And then we got know, another 60 days. Uh, we got the IWFL and the WFA. Um, you got your Utah Falcons defending the Utah Falcons, the champions. Now they get to face the Majestics, the Surge, the uh, re rebranded, uh, you know, in the IWFL, the Elite. Uh, so it's yep. going to be a great season for Utah in a lot of ways. And then you also have Austin, who just continues to improve.
2: Oh, yeah. Everyone uh, – you know, I talk to people a lot. I'm actually still helping the team with travel things and stuff like that. So, you know, it takes a lot to run an organization, and they have, you know, right now almost 60 people on the roster. And that will probably thin down – Usually, that, usually we always have about 53, 54, so that'll thin down just a little bit. But, you know, what, it takes a lot to run, to run the organization. So a lot of people help. So, and, and I, you know, just because you take the pads off doesn't mean you stop, Karen. And, uh, gosh, I miss football so much. I just do every day. So uh, they're doing well, though. The team's doing well, and they're going to be very good. So.
1: Well, I'm glad you took our, uh, our offering and an invitation and so, guess what? If you're here, you're going to be talking about Utah Falcons yeah, the first week to the end week. And so, you're going to get to be involved with them, see how they're doing oh, and yeah. who they're going up against and kind of analyze that as well and get to talk about your uh, former uh, teammates and stuff like that. So, that's going to be pretty awesome for you.
2: Well, thank you very much.
1: Alright, uh, uh Luis and I think Troy's back. So Troy, uh I know you dropped off a little bit there, but uh we were just talking about how the growth of the game and I think you were you know commenting on that how the international game has completely grown with all the support and everything else been uh but uh, you know it's just been it's been exciting. I mean you've been with me for a couple of years now. This is continues to just grow.
4: Yeah, I mean it was you know, initially when uh, You know, people said to me, women's football, I said, I never heard of it. And, then, you know, I started, uh, you know, people were talking about the D.C. Divas. And, of course, I knew Nkeishi and, you know, she was talking about how she, you know, uh, covered it also. And then when I finally got involved in it, I just, I, I had no idea it was this vast. And it covered this many countries all over the world. So, I mean, just the game of football itself has evolved this far, and definitely glad to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, we haven't even touched base because uh, it gets to the heart of everything. We got uh, Spain in action. You got you know, the Great Britain uh, season in action. You also have the French team in action. And then you've got right after that, boy, you've got everybody in Europe, Finland, Sweden, Germany, Austria, um, um, Italy. After that, everybody's going to be in season. It's going to be nuts for us. It's going to be nuts for me taking, in a lot of ways trying to cover it all trying to get all the network of people to you know to post it up and get everything else but uh you know we love it we're devoted uh we we want to showcase the best athletes out there and uh it's gonna be awesome and then you got the wfa and iwfl in the state so summertime is girls time that's what somebody tweeted me on twitter summertime is girls time so we're gonna be obviously involved with that the whole the whole summer Alright, so uh, Troy, um, we're going to be back next week. Next week we're going to talk NFL offseason, the draft and then we're going to obviously have more uh, more to talk about in terms of the Great Iron West Championship, the West Bowl coming up here on February 10th. We also have uh, the Spain leagues; It's going to be coming up in the next uh, week after that and then you also have UK who's going to be uh, back in action in the next week or two and we're going to be talking about that as well. So uh, a lot of things to deal with, and then sixty in 60 days or less, we got LFL-US as well kicks off in the States. or We're going to talk about LFL-US as well on top of the traditional women's leagues in the States, so a lot to uh, th- kind of digest. So you're going to be busy. I'm going to be busy.
4: Yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of us, you know, uh, football never stops. It's not like it was back in the day where, you know, even though you didn't watch the games, Uh, especially with the NFL. I mean, there's always stuff that's going on, and now, again, you have so many different leagues. You can pay attention that can really, you know, and really entertain in football. There's so so many that's coming out right now, so we're always busy. So I don't even feel like it's an off-season anymore NFL-wise because there's always still so much to do.
1: I'm, I'm excited to see what Boston Renegades will do, given the fact that the elite has kind of part ways. Boston, this is the opportunity for them. I mean, the, the, the Patriots miss out on the Super Bowl. This is Boston Renegades' time to see if they can punch it in Atlanta. And then you got um, – I'm excited for the Austin Acoustics of the LFL US. A lot of pieces there. Uh, I think the coach uh, is pretty good. I think this is his year from what I'm uh, reading up and paying attention to. Not that the temptation or the miss are going to be any different. But Chris Michelson announced uh, his stepping down from the Seattle Mist. That was the other news that we were going to mention today. And so he's going into uh, LFL football operations. He will be the key guy uh, at every venue on every LFL squad to ensure that the brand is of a higher quality level. And uh, Mitchell Mortaza also announced this week and last week that uh, they're going to a franchise-based mentality. So real business model now, not one one, uh, one entity. It's going to be franchise-based, so they're going to give opportunity to uh, individuals like, just like the Arena Football League has done in the past. And so we'll see how that model works for them. Should be okay because, Troy, uh, they're not really paying for gear uh, for say. They're really uh, – if you own the team there, you're really crunched for arena fee payments, and you're probably crunched for, what, facility payments, and you're also crunched for maybe travel expenses. Other than that, you really don't have that many expenses. Unlike uh, women's traditional football, it has the equipment issues. you got all the other things that go on uh, on top of travel time, trying to get a field or things like that. So there's a plus to that and also a drawback. But we'll see how that works out in terms of due time. And then, you know, I I think it's hype to predict that you're going to go to 32 teams by 2026. I just think it's just a big stretch. You're not going to do that. You know what I mean? It's just not. I could I could see you go to twelve teams or something like that, from eight to twelve. But they go to thirty-two. That's just like I, I don't know. Somebody's been drinking too much Kool-Aid.
4: You still there, Troy. Yeah, I mean I agree with you there. I mean I just I, I think with you know you don't want to oversaturate. So I mean I, I definitely agree with you there. I think thirty-two would be too big. I mean, he comes out and says that, but I,
1: logistically, I just don't see it. You still got to establish it, you know. The established teams now, if you franchise them with an ownership, then I could see your potential for growth maybe in another four, another four markets, you know, by maybe 2020 or 2021. But to, you know, to throw it out there and say, oh my God, you know, we're going to be 32, 32 teams strong by 2026, I just don't see it as realistic yet so far.
4: Yeah, it's pretty lofty. Hey, but I like the vision, you know. I, I like the vision of it. I mean, and the one thing you can say about Mitch is that he doesn't – he's not afraid to change up if he feels like he needs to. And, uh, you know, apparently he felt like he needed to, to make a few changes. So,
1: All right, we're going to be talking about that, Troy. You're going to be watching that. You're going to give us the recaps. Uh, we're going to be pretty much on top of it as well for LFL US 2018. Uh, the changes, obviously, in Seattle with the coaching change. Uh, brand-new blood in, in, uh, in Temptation Land. We also have, like I said, the acoustics, pretty exciting. Omaha, we have no idea what Omaha is going to look like. <laughs> uh, we have no idea there. And then uh, Atlanta has changed. Obviously, uh, Adrian Purnell retiring, that's a change there. You still have the Dakota Hughes. The Blitz, probably the team uh, to still beat uh, in terms of, of the scope there. And so, you know, a lot of changes happening there in, in terms of the league. And we'll see who, what happens there when once they kick off in another 60 days as well. And then we'll have WFAI, WFL as well. So, um, Troy, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for coming back on, boy, uh, because I know
4: you've been busy. Very busy, man. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, man. But, hey, I, I, need, I always got to find time to get, be able to talk football. That's my favorite thing to do. So, thanks for having me, man.
1: All right, Troy, I'll catch you next week. Uh, if not, uh, we'll, uh, like I said, chime in when you can. Uh, at this point, we're getting, you know, into summertime. We get busy, family, everything else, and I know how that works out. So I really appreciate you making the time as well, and uh, Luis here being here, and then Holly should be back chiming in as well. So it's going to make a very interesting summer for all of us. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right, Troy, enjoy your, uh, your week, buddy. Safe travels out there. Stay safe. And uh, we'll be back next week right here on Apple Podcasts, uh, on the Block Talk Radio as well. And uh, don't miss a beat. Add us on Snapchat. And then you can go to our Facebook page weekly for daily updates. You can go to our Twitter feed for daily news updates and NFL hot topics. And don't forget to go to our Zazzle shop at Zazzle.com for, slash Beauties for daily deals. Use the special codes up to 15% off. Check out our stuff on Zazzle, leggings, T-shirts, and more. And you can also get free shipping. Like I said before, $10 Zazzle Black. You can get ten dollars uh, for the year and get the stuff, get the gear, start sporting it out. If you can share it, let us know and then we'll go ahead and share it out on our uh, social media sites. So really appreciate the support uh, for Oscar Lopez, uh, Troy Wilson, and the, our newest co-host Louise Beans, and for the uh, absent Holly Custis. We'll see you here next week on the Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio on Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody.